What's up, Nola? YTH? Feeling good tonight? Yeah, everybody's energized off that Thanksgiving turkey. Y'all ever had a smoked turkey before? Had that for the first time on Thursday. Man, that, that's some spirit-filled food right there. But anyway, tonight we're going to be in the book of Joshua, uh, talking about mainly discipline, direction, devotion, all of like, you know, the, the Jesus-centered words starting with D, just coincidentally. But as modern-day Christians, a lot of times people are plagued by ignorance. People don't equip themselves with the things we need to be equipped with to go out and be effective. Uh, so I'm going to ask everyone to stand for the reading of the word. We're going to be starting in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord told Joshua, this very day I will begin to honor you before all Israel, so they will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. That's it. Everybody can sit down. Keep it short and simple. So the significance here, it's a small verse, but what's important is that if Joshua simply follows the will of God, he will be respected the same way Moses was. He will be respected the same way the one who instructed him was. Moses led the entire nation of Israel out of slavery. But he screwed up. He wasn't able to see the promised land because he, he acted out of anger. When God instructed him to do something, he did something different because he was leaning on his own reasoning. So Moses, out of a place of spiritual maturity, trains up Joshua because he knows that he's planting, but he's not going to be able to harvest. And that's just something that bumps people because we can be behind a huge movement, but what if we're not going to see the end of it? Are we just going to keep it sustained until we die, or are we going to say, no, God, who, who, do you want, who, do you want, who do you want to take this over? And it's funny because I believe in Exodus, somewhere in the Torah, Moses says, God, this weight is too heavy, and he says, appoint leaders, some over a 1,000, some over a 100, some over 10. But we have to let go of our past. We have to let go of yesterday so that we can let go of what was to acquire what already has been. Because Moses died, and Joshua had to step up. Moses stopped breathing, so God was done with Moses. Joshua was taught everything he needed to know from Moses. There was going to be more people to speak into him, I'm sure. God told him to do things, and he followed it. But Moses helped him build his foundation. If, if Joshua kept hanging on to Moses' sayings after he died, to the, the literal sense not allowing God to speak into him, then he wouldn't have been able to cross into the promised land. If we hold on to yesterday, we're not going to be able to cross into what is. And when they cross into the promised land further down in chapter 3, verses 14 through 16, it says, So when the people left their tents to cross the Jordan, the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. So, okay, I went on to the Google Maps and I looked at all of the places that where, where these points would have been. And this isn't like crossing the street, y'all. Like this river right now is two miles long. And it was probably bigger back then. And these people were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Like this wasn't like my little school backpack with my laptop and my Bible. Like, no, like this thing was heavy. Like this was, this was the Ark. Go read about how they made the Ark. Because I couldn't, dude. My, I, I don't, Mom, I don't think I'm dyslexic, but after reading that, like that was a whole lot of words, man. But they're, sitting, they're carrying this for two miles across. It hurt. It was uncomfortable. It did not feel good. But God said, 
if you do this, just you wait. Just you wait. It's not going to feel good. It's going to hurt. You're going to have to strain. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to lean on your brothers and sisters. You're not going to do it by yourself. But when you cross, just watch what happens. And when they cross, in verses 15 and 16, when the ones carrying the ark reached the Jordan and the feet of the priests carrying the ark touched the surface of the water, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest time. So the water is high. By the way, they, every time they go into a new place in the Old Testament, they go through water. So just if anyone wants to say that water baptism is, isn't applicable unless it's only in the New Testament, they're wrong. But when they want to go back to Egypt, Moses says, drink this mineral water. And they get cleansed in a different way, a more biological way. There's always a cleansing, though, when they're going to the new place. They get cleansed when they want to go back. God says, I have to get that taste out of your mouth. Drink this. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to realize when you drink something that's real, that has real things in it for you, that will benefit you, you're going to realize how garbage that was. Like, I want to go clubbing, Jesus. Get you some real friends who know God, who know how to love you, and you'll see how trash that is. And how life-sucking that is for you. When they cross the Jordan, they go through water. But here's what's cool. It says the water stops, and it gives you the exact point. The water coming downstream toward them stopped flowing. It piled up far upstream at Adam. There was no water at all flowing to the sea or the Rift Valley, the Salt Sea. This point is about 20 miles long. This is not like the water is here. Like, y'all ever seen the Prince of Egypt movie? And it's like, you know, let my people go. And like they're walking through the water and you see all the fishes swimming. Like it's not like the water's. God pushes it back 20 miles from right here. That's about halfway to Baton Rouge. That is far. And it's at flood stream. So it's not like something jammed it up. Like, no, it's undeniable. When God does a work in your life and he opens the doors for you, it is undeniable that it is him. When God does the miraculous, there is no denying it. When they cross the Jordan, they have to build memorials there too. Why? Because if you turn back, you have to see what you're walking back from. So not only did they have to carry the ark two miles, give or take, probably more, across, but they had to take huge stones. One person from each tribe had to take a stone And walk down. You see this when you read in chapter 4. One at the end, one in the middle, and one at the start. I just think it's funny that when you cross the Jordan and then you use three memorials. And when it comes to a full baptism, there's four components. There's repentance, there's water baptism, there's spirit baptism, and then there's profitability. The Lord is very intentional. Further down, Joshua chapter 5 verse 9 New Bible, who does? Hold on. There we go. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I have taken away the disgrace of Egypt from you, so that place is called Gilgal even to this day. It hurt to cross into the promised land. It hurt to walk into the new thing. It hurt to be stretched. It hurt to be challenged. But now your past is stripped away. The disgrace of the slavery you were in is stripped away. The disgrace of the chains you were in are taken away. The bondage you were in no longer applies because God is so good and grace is always abound from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21 that he chooses to forget the wrongdoing when you just say, you know what, I'm going to follow you. 
I'm going to be dedicated to you. I'm going to discipline myself to follow you. He doesn't need our disciplines, but they sure are very useful. When you make a discipline to read your Bible every day, the discipline can become a dedication when done correctly. Sometimes you have to wake up and just, you got to get that chapter in, boss. Because if you don't start your day with Jesus, it's going it's to be a bad one. <laughs> but here's, here's what's cool. Nowhere does it say that Joshua understood what was happening. So how would you feel if you were praying and you feel the Lord just put on your heart, hey, cross this giant body of water as soon as these, like, uh, as soon as the leaders carrying uh, the ark, as soon as their foot touches the water, it's going to go and it's going to stop flowing about 20 miles up. Capiche? Crystal? Clear? But he followed his direction. He said, your will be done, your kingdom come, your God, I'm not. I'm going to do what you tell me to do because, well, I think you probably know a thing or two a little better than me. He took his next step. He took his next step that God was telling him to take. And these are the three things that you have to do. It's uncomfortable, but you have to do it, is you have to repent. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 paints a really clear picture for this. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. God chooses to forget. So when you repent and then that stuff comes and you get anxious and you get depressed and you, get, you feel guilt and shame. By the way, guilt and shame is not of God. If anyone has ever told you that, they're wrong. If religion has ever told you that, that's simply incorrect. It's nowhere in the Bible. But when you dig into the, the Koine Greek, it literally means change your mind and worship the true God so that your sins can be wiped away. Repent. Change your mind. Turn back. Worship the true God. Wiped, out, wiped away. Wax on, wax off. Like window cleaner. That was dumb. And that was bad. Water baptism. Anytime anyone has ever been water baptized in the Bible, they make a, a outward declaration of an inward choice. The repentance has to come first before the baptism. By the way, the repentance is a mind change that leads to an action change. So like, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this because it makes me feel bad. And then say like a prayer and then go do it again and repeat the same cycle because if no life change happens, baby, nothing happened. So the water baptism, all that is is an outward expression of the inward, the inward choice you already made in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. I love the way the NET puts this. And this prefigured baptism which now saves you, not the washing of physical dirt, but the pledge of a good conscience to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You just get wet. Water gets on you on the outside, but on the inside, you're saying, I pledge that my conscience is now good. When I stand before God, my last name is not what it was, but it's now son or daughter of Christ. Why? Because he died and rose from the dead. It's funny how we learn today that there's more documents of Jesus existing than the emperor at that time. But the question is, is he God? 
It's funny how the week before that, Job preached, if your heart isn't in it all the way, then you can't be about it. You can think about it, but if your heart isn't in it 100%, you can't be about it. The pledge of a good conscience. Repenting has to come first. This is the confirmation. The next one is spirit baptism. And this is where religion just put all kinds of twists and bows on it. Oh, my gosh. Dude, like some people say yes, some people say no. Some people say that like cloud nine purple elephant with flying flamingos. But here's what's interesting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 paints, I love this translation, paints a beautiful picture. For in one spirit, we were all, that how many? All. Run that back one, how many? All. Everyone. Hey, Cam, can you come up here for a second? You, you grew up differently than me. Yes. We don't look the same. We, but we're baptized under one spirit. Amen. Guess what? 60, 70 years ago, this interaction would have been frowned upon. But through the, through the Spirit of God, what is that? We were all made to drink of one Spirit, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made in the image and likeness of God. Tony, we don't, we don't look the same. We didn't grow up the same. Imani, Dylan, but we, through Christ, we are one. It's interesting to me that the devil wants what God has but it's completely opposite to what he has because he wants, to, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So someone, someone tell me why we have, to, we have to separate based on age or, or race or what we look like or what we sound like or how much money we have or how we grew up. Seek, kill, destroy. Interesting. I'll be sure to hold on to that one for next time. But we're not going to be united under a political movement. Or a protest, that only leads to people being hurt and confused every time. Stand up for what you believe in, sure, yeah. God bless America. But, no, really, stand up for what you believe in. Don't be afraid to speak up. But it's not going to unite you the same way the, the Spirit is. Is it a coincidence that the churches and denominationalism is so broken apart and you got people who believe in Jesus or the idea they've been taught at war with each other because we don't agree? I guarantee you there's probably not one person in here that my political beliefs align with theirs. Okay, cool, but that's my brother or sister in Christ. So I don't really, I don't care about their political beliefs. I really don't. Let's go have a burger. Let's go Desi Vegas, their s'mores milkshake. Presto. stop but if we want his promise in our life then we have to take our next step and here's the thing like when the worship let me add another one to this before repentance you have to know who Jesus is religion won't teach you that only Jesus can teach you that only the spirit draws you in then the spirit uses other people to teach you about him I don't know if anyone's told you but Jesus is not a God who condemns or puts people to shame, but he is a God that chose to put himself in flesh. Colossians 2.9, God, Jesus was God in human flesh. God was pleased with it. He wanted to do it. He lowered himself below his angels, his servants. He made himself lower than his servant, walked this earth, was tortured in probably the worst way possible because when people got crucified, 
when they breathed in, there was pain all in one area, and when they breathed out, there was pain in another. Go do some, some research on that and learn about it. It's, it's interesting. He chose to die that way, not by a, a guillotine or a firing squad, by crucifixion. Not only did he choose to die, become sin, go down to hell and take captivity captive, but the tomb was empty three days later. He rose from the dead so that we can have that same resurrecting power with him. This is a perfect transition to take us out in James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Now, here's the thing about the book. No, see? See, I'm already getting faces. Here's the thing about the book of James. The book of James is not a book to make yourself feel beat up or condemned. I actually, I love these, the books that people say, oh, these are so, like, difficult or they're hard or, like, they're me. They're beautiful books. They give you instruction. So let's break this down. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And make your hearts pure. You double-minded, grieve, mourn, and weep. Turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into despair. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He's not saying be miserable. He's not saying hate your life. He's not saying that you have to be very stoic and very serious all of the time. And when you preach, you cannot make dad jokes because that would be, Pastor Monty wouldn't be able to preach. (laughs) But he's saying that this isn't a game. He's saying that when someone is hurting, you, you better pick them up and help them if you can. If you've stepped in that mess before, pick them up and say, hey, I, I get it. I get it. Let me show you how to clean that off. Humble yourselves. John the Baptist said that when, when Jesus started baptizing people, they were saying, well, <laughs> well John, this is, this is our thing. No, don't stop it. We must become less and less. So he can become more and more. So he can increase. Don't stop the fire. Keep the fire burning. If it's not contradicting the Bible, then why put it out? Why? When, when people were doing miracles, the apostles said, Jesus, what, what's going on here? He said, don't, don't stop it. Don't you dare. This is the fire. The fire is burning. The prophet Joel in chapter 2 says, In the end times, I will pour my spirit out. Man, woman, servant, free. All will be baptized in the spirit who want it in the end times. Keep the fire burning. What talents has he given you? What leadership traits has he given you? Because if, if we don't use it, it'll spoil. When they were in the wilderness, he gave them manna for every day. And the people who took extra and hid it, it was spoiled the next day. He's going to give you what you need for every day. We have to let go of yesterday. We have to let go of yesterday. This means means a lot of things. This means I have to let go of the things that hurt me growing up. I can't hold on to the things that God already delivered me from because it's spoiled, it's dead, it's buried in his blood. Because when I got pulled into the bloodline of Abraham, into the chosen race, into the chosen people, he said, all of that doesn't have to go with you because my purifying fire is like gold. What does that mean? 
When you burn gold, when all of the impurities are gone, you see your reflection. That's how you know it's pure. So when God purifies you, he sees what resembles himself. Because you are made in his image and his likeness. And anyone who has ever told you otherwise is wrong. So how could you not get up and worship him without the music? Because here's the thing, one day, there very well may be a day where Christianity becomes illegal in the United States of America. And all we're, all we're going to have is our voice boxes. We may not be able to have all the fancy equipment. But isn't it funny that in the book of Acts, when they were in prison and they sang, they didn't have any of the fancy stuff. But what they did have is the spirit and truth. When they walked around Jericho, they didn't really have any fancy stuff, but they were able to shout in victory because the victory is already handed to you. So what if, what if we did that today? What have you been holding on to? God, where's the promise? Have you walked in it? The promise is here. I showed it to you. But God, you showed me these things so long ago and they haven't come to pass or I'm still hurting and I'm still set. Have you walked in it? Have you accepted it? Did you pick something up that you put down? Everybody stand up to your feet. What would happen? If It's interesting that Jericho was the first to fall, and it was very fortified. This was the real deal, and all they did was scream shouts of victory. The Bible always says, look, God has handed us victory over this nation. You don't have to do work. You have to walk in his direction. You have to be dedicated. Your heart has to be in it all the way. You have to want his will to be done, not our agenda. You have to want his will to be done, not our religion. Non-denominational can be religious. Ask Pastor Monty how many emails he got when the piano moved to the other side of the stage. True story. I'm pretty sure it was three. But seriously, what would happen if we put away the agenda and what it looked like and what it sounded like and we said, Jesus, I trust that you are with me. I trust the promise is going to pass. I don't need this microphone. All I need is you.